TIA has an all-star government affairs program that has been essential to the growth of the organization and has bolstered the overall health of the 3PL industry. But what makes advocacy important and why should 3PL professionals care? I'm Matt Mantione at TIA's national headquarters and we are pleased to welcome you to the Transportation Intermediaries Association's TIA Delivers Podcasts. TIA, the trusted voice for third-party logistic companies of all sizes. Thank you in advance for joining. Today, we're talking to Chris Burroughs, TIA's Vice President of Government Affairs. As a government affairs expert in the transportation industry, Chris has been a leader on Capitol Hill to promote the 3PL industry with lawmakers and regulators to protect their businesses from burdensome regulations. He'll discuss the importance of getting involved with TIA and advocacy issues, Additionally, Chris provides an update on the 116th Congress and legislative and regulatory issues that 3PL should be aware of as we move into 2020. And thanks to our podcast partner, truckstop.com, for their support in bringing this conversation to you. Okay, let's get right into the conversation with Chris to discuss the value of advocacy and the impact it's had on your business. Chris, thanks again for joining us today. As the government affairs expert for TIA in the transportation industry, you know our members' story. You know what our members are doing, their motivations, their jobs, and the outlook of their economic picture, and why legislation is important to them and how they're impacted. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about the value of advocacy at TIA for the transportation industry. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on this month's podcast uh, and kind of uh, give you guys an overview of, you know, the value of, of the advocacy work here we're doing at TIA in addition to, uh, you know, some legislative topics. But talking about value, Matt, uh, you know, it's a big deal. And um, I have the, had the privilege of representing TIA uh, as in the Government Affairs Department for almost nine years now. Uh, and, you know, that cannot be done without really our members. Uh, and their involvement with the advocacy efforts. Uh, you know, as any trade association, mm-hmm. the core function uh, of that is is government affairs. And it's really about promoting um, our members' interest to lawmakers and regulators and protecting those interests uh, from burdensome regulations uh, that could be put forward. Uh, we do this through many different verticals. Uh, you know, one of my personal favorite things to do is do some grass ca- grassroots campaigns with our members. Uh, you know, you guys are the voice uh, of the association. Uh, this is your association. Uh, you guys are back home. You are the constituents to your members of Congress. You guys are the ones that are voting. Uh, you know, I can go up uh, to Capitol Hill uh, Monday through Friday and meet with those folks and make a huge impact. Uh, but, you know, the difference really is you back home within your district. Uh, you know, we have a number of members who have great personal relationships with the members of Congress. Uh, and one of my favorite stories is we, we have a m- member who literally his member of Congress texts him on the House floor before uh, any big transportation vote and says, you know, hey, where are you guys on this? Mm. Uh, That's and, great. And, and, you know, it's, it's awesome. Um, we, we do a lot, obviously, with the federal um, um, re- regulatory agencies as well, uh, mostly the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, uh, you know, making huge strides there in terms of in- ensuring that, you know, certain regulations uh, move forward uh, that we support and certain regulations uh, that don't. Um, but again, this really all resonates uh, back to you guys with being involved. And, you know, as our CEO says, um, I think it perfectly fits in terms of advocacy. Either, you know, you're at, your, you're at the table having dinner or you're on the menu. Uh, 
uh, our opponents uh, on a number of different issues are on Capitol Hill constantly uh, meeting and advocating against us. And we've got to be there. We have to have a united voice and be as vocal and as loud as they are. And, you know, we, we may not be, a, a, you know, as funded as they are, but, you know, we make huge strides in terms of what we're doing here uh, for the 3PL industry. And, you know, it, as much as we can do for you, uh, the better. Uh, I'll give one little shameless plug uh, for our policy forum we hold every year in June. Uh, you know, it's an extremely valuable event uh, where, you know, we have over 100 folks from TIA members come in uh, to Washington, D.C. and kind of, you know, step in the shoes of, of a lobbyist for a day, if you, or if you will. Uh, we set up all the meetings for you. Uh, you'll go meet with your members of Congress, uh, in addition to some other folks within the state, within the committee's jurisdiction, and, you know, walk the halls with us and advocate on behalf of your business uh, in the 3PL industry. Uh, th- this is, it's a huge function, uh, Matt, and, and something, you know, I'm obviously very passionate about. Um, it's been my entire career working within government affairs and in the political arena. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And I can tell you firsthand, you know, it's an outstanding event and really a must-attend if you're in the industry. So thanks for sharing that part. We're wrapping up the first year of the 116th Congress. Can you shed some light on the key issues that could impact the 3PL industry in 2020, Chris? Sure, Matt, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the 2018 election was, uh, was obviously a pretty unique election. Uh, we saw the, the House uh, flip from Republican-controlled to Democrat-controlled. Uh, the Senate remained in the hands of the Republicans. Uh, but in addition to kind of the, the swap of who's controlling the, the House of Representatives, you know, it, it was very has to be one of the one of the few largest classes uh, coming in of new members of Congress. I know there's there's over a hundred women coming into Congress, uh, a lot with unique, uh, diverse backgrounds that are not prototypical of, of you know your kind of your member of Congress. Either they're you know an attorney or uh, a career uh, a politician or you know some sort of elected official. Um, you know, it's a great. Um, great group of folks that came into Congress um, w- with that kind of unique, different perspective to bring. Uh, in addition to all the new members, obviously there was a ton of new members on the Transportation Committee. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're going through a lot of good things. Um, just kind of a, a fun fact, the 116 Congress thus far has enacted uh, 65 laws. Um, may not seem like a whole lot. Uh, this same time, uh, l- last Congress on the 115th Congress, uh, when Republicans controlled both the House and the Senate, you didn't have a divided Congress, uh, they were only able to enact 73 laws at the same point. Um, you know, again, both, both you know, this Congress and last Congress, you know, a lot of these laws are like post office namings and stuff like that. Uh, not, nothing huge in terms of landmark uh, issues that need to be addressed. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, you ask the point, What's a big issue that can impact our members, obviously, moving into 2020? Uh, and obviously, you know, the 800-pound gorilla in the room is the Surface Transportation Reauthorization Bill uh, that is set to expire in September of 2020. And, you know, yes, the big question always is, uh, is how are we going to fund it? Uh, how is Congress going to hopefully find a permanent solution uh, versus, you know, some of the, the Band-Aid type things they've been doing the last few Congresses? to really find the funds to shore up the Highway Trust Fund and get the much-needed money towards uh, improving our infrastructure. Uh, it's no secret that our infrastructure is, is deteriorating. Uh, it's in pretty bad shape. And this is something that hugely impacts the 3PL industry uh, in terms of having those necessary infrastructure, highways, roads, bridges, the whole gamut uh, to ensure that freight is 
um, safely and economically able to move uh, across this great nation. With that being said, uh, you know, the House of Representatives uh, under uh, the TNI Committee, Transportation Infrastructure Committee, under uh, Chairman Peter DeFazio from Oregon, uh, is currently drafting legislation uh, to, uh, that, that would look like, uh, would take the shape of a reauthorization uh, bill, if you will. Um, you know, everyone supports within the industry, um, most people, I should say, support in the industry a, a gas tax increase. Um, that is going to continue to be a hard issue for a lot of Republican members of Congress uh, who take a, a no, no new tax stance uh, in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, I, I, many in the industry also don't see the gas tax as a permanent viable solution. Uh, yes, it could be a good quick fix for the next uh, five, ten years or whatever it may be, but as, you know, users of the highway continue to uh, drive more electric vehicles and more hybrid vehicles, uh, you know, the gas tax kind of loses relevance a little bit. Uh, you know, I, one of the other key pieces that people are looking at is the vehicle miles travel tax, um, which would be a much more uh, viable solution, in my opinion, uh, for in terms of long-term solutions. Um, but again, there are a lot of concerns within rural areas about doing this. Uh, there are a lot of huge concerns about privacy issues. Um, and you know, that's something that Congress has got to look at and figure out how we're going to, how we're going to permanently fund this. I think we're in, we're honestly, we're in really good hands with chairman DeFazio. Uh, this is a, a gentleman who's been in Congress for quite a long time and is one of you is very passionate. Uh, and I think if somebody can get it done, uh, along with, uh, ranking member Sam Graves from, uh, Missouri, his Re Republican counterpart, uh, if the two of them can come together, uh, and, and work these issues out. Uh, in terms of, you know, some of the policy issues and some of the funding issues uh, for, you know, for the betterment of this nation, it, it would be a great thing. Yeah, obviously, the, the other thing we're, uh, it's pretty big in the news, as everyone's probably aware about, uh, is, you know, the House is going through um, an impeachment proceeding right now of President Donald Trump. Uh, and, you know, how is that going to play out uh, in terms of getting some of these top priorities done uh, and moving forward within the rest of 2019 and moving into 2020. Um, you know, one thing that I think is continuing to fly uh, under the radar, not necessarily here in the D.C. DC region is, but on November 21st, just a few weeks away, uh, the current stopgap spending measure uh, expires. And, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, rumblings and, you know, r rumors out there that, you know, President Trump is not willing to sign another kind of short-term extension uh, he would like, uh, you know, Congress to to move forward with their appropriations process and get long-term uh, fiscal funding for uh, the federal agencies. Uh, and again, how how does impeachment play into that? Um, you know, I, I, Senator Senator Schumer, who's the um, Democrat uh, minority leader on the within the U.S. House or sorry within the U.S. Senate, um, has said you know that he's got major concerns that this could potentially lead towards another another um, federal government shutdown. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I'm not, I'm not going to speculate one way or the other, um, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And, you know, the other key piece to kind of move forward with our um, TIA's top legislative priority, uh, we really need the Surface Transportation Reauthorization Bill to move. Uh, we see that as, as a, a very viable vehicle in order for us to hopefully finally move forward with a motor carrier safety selection standard. Uh, as everyone is aware, uh, we've been working on this for a number of years, really trying to combat the confusion and, um, you know, some of the liability traps that currently exist when 3PLs are selecting motor carriers. Uh, you know, with with 85% of motor carriers being unrated 
because of the outdated uh, safety rating process. Uh, uh, 3PLs are often asked to second-guess the federal uh, agency in determining which carriers are safe. Uh, And unfortunately, when a crash occurs, uh, we have members who are uh, being named as defendants in negligence selection lawsuits. Uh, so we've been working with Congress uh, for uh, for a number number of years on trying to push forward a uh, selection standard uh, that would not absolve liability, uh, would not limit an individual's rights to bring a food, uh, suit forward, uh, but rather just provide some clarity and a, a minimum defense that our guys could point towards and say, hey, I'm following the th- you know the three steps within this uh, selection standard uh, that that would be properly registered and carrier insure, uh, carrier has obtained the minimum insurance requirements. And the third one being it's not been placed at a service or have an unsatisfactory safety rating. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a, a thing that I think a thing that gets kind of swept under the rug a lot in terms of us advocating for the standard is, is safety. Uh, this is first and foremost a, a safety bill, uh, which is why we added safety into the title recently, this Congress, uh, because currently there is no standard. Um, you know, our, our, technically when selecting a carrier, you don't have to check a single thing. Uh, we want to put the 20,000 licensed property brokers and the three to four million shippers, we want to put their eyes out there on ensuring that motor carriers have done uh, these three checkpoints uh, to really improve the overall safety within the industry, but really in addition to providing us that clarity and, and eliminating that confusion. Uh, we're really excited about our prospects as we move forward into 2020 on this. Uh, we, we have bipartisan support, which is something we have not had uh, the last couple of years as we've continued to kind of tweak the language uh, and, and build our coalition of stakeholders uh, and, and work with our opposition on it as well. Uh, you know, that's just good policy in terms of, of uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, it's very hard to get something through uh, by moving ahead on your own. Uh, you've got to find those, those like-minded stakeholders in addition to, you know, doing some compromises with your opposition to kind of reduce uh, reduce their opposition to, to the legislation. With 25 years of experience helping all sides of the freight community grow and prosper, truckstop.com is leading the way with today's freight innovations. Join us. We're in it for the long haul. Truckstop.com. Thanks for your partnership. So, Chris, everyone's talking about the USMCA deal. Do you think that gets done before the end of the year? Yeah, Matt, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question there. Thanks for that. Um, you know, Speaker, Speaker Pelosi uh, of the House of Representatives has indicated that she certainly sees a path forward uh, in supporting this. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, kind of those border state um, Democrats uh, in Congress who really need to get this deal done. And I know that, that Speaker Pelosi is getting a lot of pressure on this. Um, you know, no trade deal is perfect, obviously. Um, but, you know, many in the industry and certainly from a TIA perspective, uh, you know, we fully supported NAFTA. Uh, we fully support the USMCA. We fully support, you know, free trade across our, our borders with our, you know, our friendly neighbors at, and with Mexico and Canada. Um, but a, a lot of folks see this as, as a major improvement uh, over NAFTA. Uh, a lot of reasons, you know, part of, part of the reasons are, I should say, is, you know, it, it focuses heavily on kind of workers' rights uh, while addressing some environmental issues. Um, that, you know, may not have been touched on. Um, you know, hey, you may see this get passed, Matt, um, maybe before Thanksgiving, uh, but obviously there's a lot of variables that remain out there. Uh, you know, just, just turn on the news for, for 30 seconds. 
whatever your um, favorite news choice is, and you're going to hear about, obviously, the impeachment that's going on and federal government shutdown that's going on. Uh, there's just a lot going on now. And, you know, I'm not sure I'm not sure anybody in Congress um, on the Democratic side wants to give President Trump a victory. Uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about that. That's not me speculating or anything, uh, and certainly not a TA position. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people talking about that as well. And, and that, that's a key, key piece in how that's going to play into it. Uh, so we'll have to see how it shakes it out. Uh, I'm an optimist, uh, usually by nature. Uh, so I, I see this deal getting done before the end of the year. Um, but, you know, I could be dead wrong. So thanks for answering that loaded question, Chris. We appreciate that. And you're right, though. I mean, no matter what station you're turning on, you're hearing about all of these issues. So it really doesn't matter. It's all over your, It's all over the television. It's all over the news. So just kind of to pivot a little bit, what other key issues are on your radar in terms of legislation, you know, towards, you know, with the end of the year approaching? Yeah, there, there are a number of other issues that uh, we're, we're definitely taking a look at uh, from a legislative perspective. Uh, one is, um, you know, a very personal, near and dear to my heart issue that I've been working on um, for my full time here at TIA, and then additionally uh, prior to coming to TIA uh, in house, representing them off uh, off the or at the association at a lobbying firm uh, is uh, CTPAT, the Customs Trade Partnership Against Terrorism. Uh, we have been working on this uh, from an association perspective uh, since 9/11, when this program was was first announced. Uh, and for those folks that are un, uh, unaware, the CTPAT program is essentially like the TSA pre-check uh, for trucks moving across the border. Uh, we have a lot of shippers um, in the industry who want their uh, 3PL partners to be CTPAT certified. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, federal government, the Customs uh, Border Protection Agency, has a um, unknown bias against DOT-licensed property brokers, uh, our members. Uh, for something we, quite frankly, have not been able to figure out over 10 years other than they just don't like us. Um, so they have excluded our members from being part of this program, uh, saying that we don't physically touch the freight, uh, so we therefore have no role in, in ensuring that the uh, freight is securely coming across the border. Uh, we have argued uh, to nauseam uh, that uh, customs brokers, MVOCCs, and air freight forwarders uh, also do not touch the freight. Uh, but they have the right to be part of this program. Uh, so something that we've been working on through a, a regulatory uh, tactic to, quite frankly, giving up there uh, to moving to a legislative front. Uh, and we uh, have been working through the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in terms of coalition. Uh, the CTPAT reauthorization bill is moving through Congress uh, as we speak. Um, the Homeland Security Committee uh, Chairman Benny Thompson from, from Mississippi is getting ready to introduce his language. Uh, and it's very likely that we'll have some language in there that kind of takes the first step towards getting our, uh, our, our members, you know, those, those non-asset-based uh, 3PLs licensed by DOT uh, into the program. Uh, gives the Secretary of uh, Homeland Security some discretion to move forward with, with granting authority to these entities. Uh, it does not 100% get our guys in immediately, uh, but this is a really good first step and something we're obviously advocating uh, a lot on the Hill about. Uh, this is a, a good chunk of our uh, meetings at the moment. Uh, going up there, educating folks on CTPAT, educating our, uh, on our members and industry, and, and then the huge role we do play in, in, in determining that you know the, the carriers we utilize are safe and uh, ensuring this, this freight is getting across uh, securely. 
a uh, couple other things, you know, related to, you know, kind of some, some business aspects and, you know, one, one being uh, uh, a per- personal aspect that certainly affects maybe our members uh, personally as they look towards, uh, you know, um, providing a future for their um, non- non-spousal uh, inheritance, you know, your children or grandchildren, uh, that being the, the SECURE Act, um, which is a uh, pretty big piece of legislation moving through Congress. It's already passed the House. Uh, dealing with retirement planning um, in in the uh, in, in the United States, uh, there are a lot of really good things in the Secure Act. Um, you know, providing tax credits, making it easier for small businesses to provide 401ks and retirement plans to uh, to their employees. Uh, but there is one provision in there uh, that drastically changes the rules in terms of a stretch IRA. Uh, you know, currently uh, you can you can have a you can have an IRA. That you can stretch out over the lifetime of your uh, non-spousal so uh, inheritance, so your, you know your children can can take out uh, and w- withdraw from it over the, their lifetime. Uh, you know, the, kind of this this nest egg or uh, you know safety net that you have provided uh, to them uh, under this proposal uh, that would require that the uh, IRA be completely exhausted uh, within within ten years. Um, you know, which really drastically hurts the you know long-term investment that one could. Uh, possibly gain on uh, on on this IRA from an investment uh, side, but additionally could really hurt them from a tax perspective as well, as it could push them up into a higher tax bracket, uh, drastically increasing their burden. Uh, this this legislation, um, like I mentioned, is, has passed the House. Uh, the Senate is is taking a look at it. Um, there are a couple of holds on it because it is a unanimous consent uh, piece of legislation, uh, and you know there are some senators. Um, that have put holds on it, one, because of concerns over this, this stretch IR provision. Uh, so we're advocating right now, or actually getting ready to send out a grassroots campaign to our members to write their, their U.S. senators about this provision. Uh, so we highly recommend that, you know, everyone uh, take, take part of that and, uh, you know, put your name and information in. Uh, we have a pre- preformed letter in there. You simply just have to give your zip code and information, and it'll populate who your senators are. Um, and you know it'll send the letter out that we've already uh, wrote for you guys. Uh, the other the other one really quick is uh, called the Corporate Transparency Act. Uh, this one uh, would put a lot of burdensome uh, paperwork uh, on you know the, the small businesses in the United States uh, that are you know LLC uh, or or corporations uh, by essentially requiring them to disclose uh, full ownership. Uh, and you know all partners within an LLC. Uh, this is really an attempt from from Congress to kind of combat uh, some of the money laundering and scammers and bad actors that are operating out there, kind of putting these shell companies together. Um, but they didn't really think about the unintended consequences of small business and, and kind of the burdensome uh, reporting aspects this is going to put on our guys. Uh, so we're, we're we're taking a look at that. We're advocating where we need to, uh, and you know. We have more information on all these issues on our website, uh, so you know, feel free to take a look there uh, for a lot more detailed stuff than that. So thanks, Chris. We really appreciate, and I know our listeners really appreciate you taking the time to share this information with us. Now, with that being said, is there anything on the regulatory front our members should be aware of? Yeah, Matt. So, you know, one thing I'm going to highlight really quickly here is the FMCSA released uh, Notice Pros Rulemaking back in August. Uh, changing some of the rules, proposing to change some of the rules in terms of hours of service regulations on commercial motor vehicle driver. Uh, there, there's, you know, five key points looking at the 30-minute rest break, looking at the sleeper birth exclusion, 
you know, looking at, uh, you know, the, the um, adverse driving conditions, looking at the short haul exemption that currently exists, and kind of gathering those areas up. Uh, and looking for ways that uh, the in, the industry and the agency can provide a little bit more flexibility for those folks to kind of be a little bit more on their own clock, uh, if you will, uh, instead of just, you know, hey, these are the regulations, let your body adapt to them. Uh, it's more of a issue of, you know, hey, the driver, each driver is different. Let's give them a little bit more flexibility uh, in, in terms of some of these rules and allow their bodies to kind of dictate, uh, you know, the breaks that they take. Uh, so this is this is a key piece. Uh, you know, we worked on it through our uh, highway logistics conference here within TIA. And, you know, generally we don't um, advocate on behalf of motor carrier issues, uh, but the committee felt like this was a strong issue enough that it really does impact uh, 3PLs, obviously, uh, in terms of getting some flexibility towards uh, the motor carriers. So that's why TIA filed some comments and general support of, of flexibility for the, for the motor carriers. Uh, so it, it's a key it's a key piece for us, something we're going to keep close track of. I know in talking with um, FMCSA folks and officials, uh, this is something that they are absolutely streamlining uh, to be done by 2020 uh, with obviously the 2020 presidential election on the horizon. Uh, this is something that they've been working on for a couple of years now um, for the basically for the entire time of President Trump's uh, administration, uh, his, his term as, as president to get get this done uh, this term. Uh, in order to have, you know, kind of a big victory within within the trucking industry and transportation industry uh, for those folks that need this flexibility. Great. You know, Matt, really appreciate it. Thanks again uh, for having this conversation with me. Uh, you know, th- this is truly, transportation has truly become uh, a passion of mine. Uh, you know, as a, a 22-year-old coming out of college, uh, you know, engaged to my, uh, my wife, uh, you know, I was looking for jobs and, and certainly wanted to do something in politics, uh, kind of follow in my dad's footsteps, who was a congressional staffer for almost 40 years, uh, you know, sent my resume around all the different committees. And, and the first one to call back was the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Uh, so like many people, I kind of, you know, fell my, you know, found my way into this industry through, you know, non, non-traditional, um, but certainly passionate about it. Uh, and, you know, passionate about representing our members on Capitol Hill. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I, I think about all the time. And I'm always here to have conversations. Uh, if anybody needs anything, you know, please let uh, our, the Government Affairs Department know. Uh, we'll be happy to assist. And, you know, I can't urge you enough to get involved with us. Uh, we've got a number of policy committees uh, that you can be, be part of and help us kind of, uh, you know, draft and, and dictate the policy of your – this is your association. Uh, it's a key piece. Um, you know, we, we, do have, we do have a political action committee as well that we, that we use as kind of one of our – um, one of our arrows in our quiver to kind of build a relationship with members of Congress. Uh, so, you know, that's a, a valuable tool that we utilize as well. Um, but j- just get active with us. Come to the fly-in, um, you know, shoot me an email. Uh, we, we'd love to have you involved. And, you know, the more the merrier, obviously, is we really need that united voice uh, on Capitol Hill and really, you know, show the value that your business and this industry brings to, to the American economy overall. Thanks, Matt. Thanks again to TIA's very own Chris Burroughs for providing us with very important legislative updates and highlighting the importance of getting involved with advocacy issues impacting your business. Please visit tianet.org if you'd like to learn more about how TIA's government affairs efforts protect your business from burdensome regulations. And again, thanks to our sponsor, truckstop.com, for being a valued member 
of our TIA's Delivers podcast. Oh, 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 o